Hi, everybody. This is Lori Handlers. I'm your host, and you're listening to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. And today we're going to be talking about the art of intentional living. Did you ever wonder what your life would be like if you have manifested everything that you want? I mean, can you even imagine manifesting everything that you desire? Well, today we're going to be talking about that. My guest today is an expert at what she calls the art of intentional living. She teaches a course called Clear and Present Power, and she also co-leads and and creates courses with me at Butterfly Workshops. Her name is Michelle Wortman, and she has tremendous experience in body-centered stuff. She's an amazing body worker and healer. And we met, we actually met during our studies in Tantra, and then Michelle took some things to a, another level, I suppose you would say. She works tremendously, powerfully with individuals in life coaching. And today we're going to talk a little bit about how her life coaching practice and our tantric practices kind of melt together. So welcome to the show, Michelle. Are you there? Hi, Lori. Yeah, thanks for having me this afternoon. This is great. That's so um, great. I'm actually... Go ahead. No, glad you could join me, really. I mean, we yeah. talk every day all the time, but I love being on the radio with you. So here we go. Here we are. Yeah, it's always fun. Um, it's been an interesting day, actually. It's a perfect day to talk about this. I've had three coaching calls today um, with people who were actually stuck in some areas and how, uh, so I'm right in the flow. Let's just say that. I'm really juiced up about this topic today. <laughs> it's good. Well, good. Let's get a little background. So you have, um, you, I mean, we, we're going to talk about intentional living. I mean, that's really what there is to speak about. So you have coaching clients? Yeah. I coach people um, on the phone and in person to have their life line up with, their daily life line up with their vision of their life, their intentions. Um, what they want to achieve and goals they would like to realize. Um, and in a day-to-day world, know that they're making a difference always towards that outcome. So why would somebody, you know, give us an example of a couple of kinds of people. What, like somebody, there's a lot of life coaching going on in, in our world. Why would somebody call you? Like what would be the impetus to call you? Let's, so, so, so I can understand why someone would call for a life coach to begin with. Okay. There are, there are what we call the hamster wheels, where <laughs> we do, you know about that, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And the, <laughs> I know you're laughing. Uh, the coaching that comes from me is actually a, a keen listening, first of all. I listen for the unsaid, you know, the story is the story, and then there's the unsaid. Um, and when I really get into someone in our conversations, not buy into the story, but in our conversation here where they've actually been doing the same thing, my coaching comes in to interrupt the same old, same old. I speak very powerfully and intensely, and and it's some raw conversation about the way of being or, or the action that someone would continue to do 
that would keep things in the same shape it's already in when actually they're saying they want to change. Um, so, so what might they want to change in? Like, um, yeah. Would it be like relationship stuff or would it be like um, job stuff? Like, That's what I mean. Like what would okay. be an example? Yeah. yeah well, what, what would the hamster wheels be? Both and. Uh, re- relationships are relationships. And mostly what I find and one of the distinctions in my coaching is that relationship is actually a container and it's dead, a dead thing. A relating is more accurate in our life when we are moving and and coming fresh to situations all the time. Then we can actually be in a relating, like a moving um a, a moving vehicle, us as a moving, rather than a thing that we already think we know. So once we have a relationship, sometimes that relationship takes on a life of its own. So there's actually three entities in the room, me, you, and our relationship. So what I have found in coaching people, let's take their work environment. If they already know what's going to happen that day, if they already know who their employees and co-workers are, then there's really no space for uh, anything new to occur or anything surprising to happen where they could get creative or they could, um, you know, come up with a whole new system of uh, a, a system for progress and for productivity. So when we shift the gears from already knowing what a relationship is, into being a a person who relates to others, always fresh and new. There's always progress and there's always productivity that happens at work. Now, that's just one example of a distinction that we would work on for maybe three or four weeks at a time along with the other areas. So, Well, hold on, hold on. Wait a second. I want to just um, I want to go back to this relationship stuff. You know, Osho, and I know you know Osho, Osho, the famous Tantra teacher, actually talked about uh, relationship, the thing, being the dead, stagnant thing, and that he always encouraged people to be in relating to each other fresh, like not knowing the other. Like the minute, he used to say, the minute you think you know your partner, there's no chance or hope that anything, that it can continue even. It's got to right. be busted up because it is it is systematized. And right. so, so you actually just talked about systems, and um, I'm thinking what you mean is not systems at all, but really like Lottie Han, like the unknown, like moving sure. in the unknown. Sure. Here's another piece to that, what you, what you just brought up about in our relationships, uh, the dead thing. We always have to be breaking it up, and that's the drama that goes on in our relationships because we've got to be breaking up that dead thing, trying to breathe life back into it. If it's three months, three years, 30 years, we're all, we, want, we want movement, and when we settle into the known, there is no movement. So we'll create some landmines or, um, you know, yeah, whatever. Drama. Drama, drama. Yeah. Trauma, drama. Trauma, drama. Yeah. And then to make it even better, we'll blame it on the other, or then we'll drag up some mud to sling, or we'll, you know, the things that we all do in our relating. And, you know, that's not just our intimate relating. 
That's our family relating community. That's our work. That's the neighbors. That's anywhere. Anywhere that we think we already know that person, that thing, that dead thing we're dragging around called our relationship with them, there will be landmines and there will be upset and drama going on. And and so to consciously here's the here's the piece. To be so so awake and aware of our my being the the person who's being coached to become so awake and aware that in the moment there's a gap between the thought and the next action. There's a gap between something happened and what I'm going to say next about it. Or or what am I going to lead into closer or am I going to lead into drama? So the awareness, the clear the clarity and the presence the awake and aware that we actually have choice in the moment where we'll go rather than sailing into the already known so, and just unconsciously. So this is great. This, this gives hope back. This, this, I mean, where you're coming from actually can restore uh, a sense of life and hope into um, what seems to be a downward spiral in the in the pattern of relationships, marriage and relationships, things like that. Yeah. Now, yeah. it also takes the dread out of family events. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. It, it takes the dread out of, out of oh, it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, and it could, could actually take the dread and the whole hum and the boredom out of going to your life's work every day. Right. Yeah. Right. right. So now let's talk about that a little bit. Like, you know, I I mean, I let in by talking about, you know, what if your life could, you know, what if you could manifest things in your life um, that, you know, everything, like what if everything started to get manifested in life? So I want to... I want to st- touch here on some of the tantric practices. And by the way, if you just are tuning in, you're listening to Tantra Cafe. I'm Laurie Handler, your host. And my guest today is Michelle Younger-Wartman, who is a life coach. And she's also the general manager of Butterfly Workshops, which is my company. Um, we offer tantric workshops and we offer corporate workshops. We do a lot of work in different personal realms. And we do work in uh, in corporate realms. And basically what Michelle is talking about today is coming from a new and fresh place every single moment, having the choice of coming from a new and fresh place every single moment so that life occurs as an adventure. So, yeah. Michelle, I, you know, back to this, how do, and maybe it's not time yet, maybe there's still more to talk about in terms of breaking things up a little yeah. bit. But yeah. how would tantric practices come in, you know, in, in, in terms of breaking this stuff up? Well, in tantra, we have, um, we have practices that support intentions. Let, let me just say for a moment about intention, what we mean about that. Okay. And then we'll go into some practices. Um, if I were to be available and aware every moment to make a choice for something new and fresh, what direction would I want to go in? And so, where we begin in our in my coaching practice is that we together we set intentions for results. 
So if there's an intention to have a, a promotion at work, then we set that, we, we pick a by when, when would we want to have that happen and how long, next week, next year, next month, what, what would that be? Or if there's, um, um, you know, a family event coming up, what intention, what outcome would we want to see on the other side of that? And so we set intentions specific to the results we want. So there's actually something to go towards. So in the moment that you're making a choice, in the moment you're choosing fresh and aware and awake, what would that, what speaking would take you more towards your intention and your desired result? And that, that right there is often powerful enough to keep people in a, um, in the flow of it. Certainly, when you have a coaching call every week or every 10 days, there's, that's the homework that's in between. You know, how much awakeness and awareness. So, well, David, I got a question for you here. What are you saying? When you said the speaking of it, you know, you, do you mean, is, is what you mean, like, I know, for example, when I ask people what they want, they tell me what they don't want. Right. <laughs> well, I was just going to say that's, that's the next, that, the, here's an exercise. This would be a homework and an exercise and a practice that um, the first thing in the first call that I have, I have people take a sheet of paper and fold it lengthwise. And on the right side of the paper, the folded on the right side, I have them write what they don't want. What don't you want? I don't want to be poor. I don't want to be fat. I don't want to be destitute. I don't want to lose my home. I don't want to be alone. All the I don't want, and I make them go for it, like five or ten things in each category. And then after they write that, they open the paper up, and here's the blank left side, and they actually write what they do want then. If you don't want to be on a heart monitor, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, what I want is a healthy, happy heart beating, you know, like what do you want? So and you're reframing. You're actually reframing exactly. experience of, of things to avoid with going towards a goal of, you know, or an intention or a desire of what people do want. I think that's so important, Michelle, because um, it's really important not only in the speaking of, in, but in the brain and focusing on what people want. Right. I, I think that's so true, Laurie. It's mostly when people, when I, exactly what you said, when you say, what do we, what do you want? They go, well, I, I don't, I don't want to, okay, <laughs> let's have some more of that. The thing that you focus on is where your energy goes. I think there's a there's a phrase out there. One of the um, inspirational speakers says, "Where your attention goes, your energy flows." Oh, I've heard that. Yeah, I I I would like to attribute that. I think is to James Ray. He says that. Um, yeah, where your attention, what I put my attention on, gets all my energy. And if it's that not want, if it's in the negative then I'm really just sabotaging what I do want. So it, it, Wait a minute, who's James Ray? He's, a, he's an inspirational speaker. Oh. I, want, I just want to make sure I'm footnoting him. I think he's the one, pretty sure he's the one that says, quoted that phrase. 
All right. I mean, I've heard the phrase before, but I don't know. I mean, we have somebody in our in our group, Rusty, who knows James Ray, but I've never heard of James Ray before that, so I didn't know that that was. I mean, before, yeah. Before you said something about when we were talking about the hamster wheels, you <laughs> said the thing about um, the definition of insanity. Is yeah. Doing the same thing over and over. Now I happen to know who coined that phrase. That's Rita Mae Brown. Rita Mae Brown. Yeah, she did. And, yeah. So, but I I don't know who did. And and Rita Mae Brown is a you know is a, a author, like feminist activist, um, an author. Author. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. That's how I her. Yeah, I just wanted to attribute that to him. I didn't make that one up. Okay. Uh, and I I make up a lot of stuff. But I didn't make that one up. <laughs> yeah, you do. It's great. It's great. So, so, all right, so back to this. That's the intention, though. That's the bottom line of intention. And um, to really, so one of another exercise, for instance, this came up this week in one of with one of my coaching clients that when we set an intention, we don't have to think of it every minute. It doesn't have to become our next, you know. Um, our next obsession set your intention and then do the thing do the action so where we went with it this week was when she went to the when she went to ride her bicycle her intention she went to she got on her bike her intention was to move every muscle to remove toxins knowing that every Every spin of that wheel moved anything unlike health out of her muscles in her legs that day. And well, she, set that in, she set that intention and then got on her bike and had to pay attention because she was riding in New York, the streets of New York City. Right. I don't want her thinking about an intention. I want her thinking about that cab cutting her off, you know. So it's not to take us out of our life. It's to actually have our actions in the world inside of our bigger thought, inside of our intention for the day, that the words that I speak today move move me forward towards my intention. Okay. All right. This is good. So now, inside of what you just said, you know, in, in terms of people getting that, they could set an intention and then they could take action in their life that you know le- leads them closer to the to the fulfillment of their intention how would you how could we say that tantric practices start to come in play there how is that because well, you know after all this is tantra cafe right our tantric practices uh, um actually have everything to do with it with every breath we take you know, it's inhale, exhale, it's breathing in and actually the cleaning out. When we exhale, we're letting go of old. We're breathing in fresh, letting out old. We're breathing in and the body is cleansing and we're exhaling. And it's the same when we take our breath work, specifically the the um, the the breaths we do, the cleansing breaths, the Egyptian cleansing breaths, to breathe in, fill our lungs, and ah, exhale that anger, exhale that frustration, exhale anything unlike our intention. 
we do these practices, the breath work is very important for the cleansing of that which we no longer want or that which no longer serves us. So any toxins, whether it's toxic thought or to- physically the cleaning of the lymphatic system, um, the cleansing of the lungs, expansion and, and contraction of the lungs. So the breath work is very um, it, in, integral to the intention work that clears us, specifically our emotional release breath work that clears us so there's a clear path and, and it brings in the clarity and it brings in the quiet of the mind where the, the monkeys stop chattering long enough to actually bring in an awareness. Is well, that, are you, do you want me to talk specifically? What let you say? Well, I'm going to, I just was going to ask you about, you know, uh, you, and then you said it, I was going to ask you a little bit about emotional, uh, things there. I mean, it, it, it occurs to me and certainly in, in the, our teaching of Tantra that, um, when people do emotional release practices, they, they first actually get clear about what it is that they're letting go of and they get clear yeah. about what they do want. Like all of a sudden there's a clarity in, oh, I want money or, oh, I want a partner or, oh, I want a new home or I want to move, I, you know, whatever it is. And um, whereas before someone might just be going along in their life, like right. not even giving any thought to what it is that they want. A lot of people are so, listen, I don't, I'm preaching to the choir here, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> A lot of people are so bent on being nice and keeping things in place, keeping yeah. things the way they are, that they really don't give much thought at all to what they would want that might be different or to keeping things fresh. They're actually keeping right. things stale. They're spending most of their time keeping right. things stale, although they wouldn't eat stale food. Right. They wouldn't. Or or water that had been sitting in the bottle, you know, half open for a month. Listen, right. I, I'm going to get – can I get specific with this yeah, now? Of course. Okay, good. So, specifically, I had a conversation with someone who was so invested in the story that uh, there was this individual would not take the coaching and do the emotional release practice that had been, I'd given her on four different occasions, the same practice on four different occasions. The story had not changed. There's been a resistance to it. Resistant, no, 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 I haven't done it. And and and. The story stayed the same. I Give knew. An example that, of what a story is. You don't have to speak this this person's particular. An example. Story. An example of a story would yeah. be: um, I came into work. He looked at me, gave me that dirty look, told me I had to stay overtime again tonight, and I went in the bathroom and cried. Okay. That would be like a story. Over and over and over that and over. He picks on me. He, and I and I go in the bathroom and cry. Okay. So, someone said my boss, someone higher up than me, says something to me, and I go in the bathroom and cry. That would be a story. That okay. was that was not this story, by the way. Yeah. And that's a story. So the same story for actually months now, and 
in the last conversation, I got really, really clear from the resistance that this doing emotional release would be an interruption into this story that somehow was comforting. And yet there was the yearning for a change to not be a victim any longer of her of this person's story. And so it, what was really clear is that when you do emotional release, it will cause something to shift and change. There will be a lightness. There will be something good on the other side of it, an awareness, a piece that's been missing, a uh, like something will no longer be needed. An array of results could occur. You know, as I just want, as you're talking, I'm I'm you know I'm getting very clear that um, people can have two things. Like they can have they can they can want to change, and they can be in odds at odds for the change itself. Like they can say yes, I want to change, and then in the act of changing or wanting to change, they can resist. And not even know they're resisting, and that that be that's kind of natural. Like they exactly they change. They might call you, and they still even in the call, even in spending the money for a coach, even in making the appointments, setting the appointments, and going towards the appointments. All of it, somebody it's very normal for somebody to even to still be at two sides, like at odds with, you know, right. they could sabotage what they are trying to, the very thing they're trying to accomplish. Right. And it also, here's the next piece of that, Laura. Emotional release works. And so the resistance to it is equal to how powerful it is in that person's life. This, This individual knows really well that this is where the rubber meets the road, that on the other side of emotional release, the story, the habit, you know, whatever habit that is of telling that story or feeling that feeling will be interrupted. So that's how I know emotional release for in this situation is exactly what there is to do. I know in my own life, I've done emotional release for 12 years. We've done it 12 years. Well, I've actually done it for way longer than that. Well, in the, in the context of Tantra, right. we've done it for 12 years with an intention, emotional release with an intention to move to the other side of the old story, the baggage, the victimhood, the pain of it, the physical ouch of life. Right. On the other side, there is freedom. On the other side, there is a quiet. And on the other side, there is bliss. Right. Right. I feel, I listen, I feel my life is a living example. I feel yours is too. You're going through a huge time of challenge. And meantime, you're like, every day you're great. I mean, you know, things may happen. No, really. I mean, things may happen every day that, you know, cause you to be a little rocky because some things are a little up in the air in your life. And so, you know what? There, there would, there would have been a time in your life or my life when either of us were going through some changes that was like a constant drama, like wake up into more. Let's pour more 
oil on the on the fire of drama. <laughs> yeah. Let's complain a little bit more. Let's bellyache a little bit more. Let's whatever. I mean, we're both, we could be pros at that. And instead, you know, I call you, when I speak to you every day, you're fresh. You're definitely fresh. You're ready to start the day and anything could happen and you're still fresh. Yeah. Here's, here's how I know that's true. When you and I start our calls now, mm-hmm. I always ask you first how you are. Wow. That's how you know? <laughs> I've, I've noticed that it it just doesn't, you know, like the, the circumstances right this minute don't matter in my life. I'm good, and I'm interested in how you are. I really want to know what you're up to. How can I make your life better today? That's amazing. That's so fabulous. Just think about it. A world in which people ask each other, how can I make your life better today? Yeah, how can I bring you some joy? What a possibility. What a possibility that is. That's amazing. Most people yeah. wouldn't think of that. They're so they're so wrapped in the, in the story, in their stories. So let's uh, just let me, in case you just tuned in, you're listening to Taunter Cafe. This is Laurie Handlers, your host. And today I'm speaking with Michelle Wardman, who is a life coach. She's a Tantra teacher. She's an expert massage therapist, body worker, just an amazingly talented person. And she teaches a course called Clear and Present Power, where she actually teaches people one-on-one how to really get their life, their current life interrupted so that they can have and manifest all they desire in their life, which is underlying a tremendous tantric practice because tantra is about having it all. Having it all. That let, allows us to have it all. So, you know, Michelle, we're talking a lot about um, emotional release, and we're not saying what it is. So right. I, I think we need to say, you know, because people, you know, now there could be a question like, well, what are they talking about? What the hell is emotional release that they've been doing for years? What is this? So how how would you want to describe what emotional release is? Emotional release is moving the body, moving the, the human body in a particular way. And there are three or four or five different ways that we do that. But moving the body in a particular way that causes a charge or, or a, uh, a buildup of emotion in the body. And then that emotion rides through the breath and sound out of the body. So whether we're doing a bioenergetic movement, which is a laying on the floor and breathing, squeezing, moving our arms and uh, rocking of the pelvis, like in a, in a hydraulic action, through that, the, the body, through that particular breath, and movement, the charge and the emotion builds low in the belly and in the sex area, in the first, second, third chakras. And it then, when we open our mouth and make a sound on the exhale, that emotion can actually leave the body, ride the breath out, ride the sound out, and go back and be sent back into the nothingness from which it came. Moving it out of the body so there's space 
And sometimes it comes out in words and at a particular incident or being. Sometimes it comes out as a very primordial sound or animal sound. Sometimes it's just an anger. And sometimes it's just a string of four-letter words that would make your mother blush. <laughs> well, you know, this it's, it's, it's exciting. I mean, I have to say, you know, the, this practice, of of doing emotional release has totally altered my life. I mean, for the better, for the much, much better, I, you know. And I know that it's altered your life, and I know others' lives who it's altered. And um, it's uh, this is powerful stuff that we're talking about here. I, at at yeah. this moment in time, I actually want to just give a plug for a minute. I want to say that... Um, People can find out more about this in my book, in, uh, in Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy. I have a whole chapter devoted to emotional release, and I have pictures, you know, I have drawings that I actually drew and um, that show people how to do this, that show people exactly how to do this. And then we have some DVDs and videos and also CD. Uh, that I've produced, they could go to butterflyworkshops.com and find any of these things where they could practice emotional release and right. actually start to take responsibility for breaking up the victimhood in their lives. Right. That's so good. I, I'd like to put a plug in. Okay. <laughs> Here, here's the Mutual Admiration Society in action, right? <laughs> I want to put a plug in for your shamanic release and Lottie Han uh, CD. It's extraordinary to have you right there, your voice, and the music, you coaching me, even now, coaching me. When I'm stuck and I don't want to hit the floor and it's time to hit the floor, I can put that CD in and here you are coaching me all the way through. It's like a 15 to 20 minute, then there's the calm, and you, you actually can get coached by Lori Handlers right now. So you can get that CD uh, at butterflyworkshops.com also. Wow, we just—it sounds like a little bit of an infomercial. How how there how we go? That well, back to this. I mean, this is look. This saved my life. It yes. saved your life, and it saved countless lives that we know. Countless lives which would have gone on for ultimate the ultimate drama. Um, it's, it's really, it saved people's re- relating, it's, you know, and their intimacies. It has saved people's jobs that we know of, saved marriages, I, all kinds of things. I think you're onto something when you said it, it saved people's lives, maybe literally, like that there were people that were so angry and frustrated and victimized when they came to us that when they started to do the emotional release, it actually took the violence out of their bodies, that they could do bodily harm to someone else when they got so angry. So I don't know. Maybe we've saved physically. We've saved lives, Laura. Yeah, I think, oh, there's no question in my mind. There's no really question. question in my mind. Yeah. So now, okay, so we do, we do emotional release practices. People get clear. They start to understand what they want. They start to let go of the things that they don't want and also the pent-up emotions in their body which are not serving them like they, you know, like such anger and stuff. And so, and we've talked about the wording 
that people use to say you have them write on a piece of paper what they don't want, and then they turn that into what, you know, bouncing off of that, it turns into what they do want. So, and they do uh, tantric breathing practices. So, yes. What, you know, how close do they get, like, in their flow? Like, can they, is it really possible for people to have it all? Yeah, I think it is. I think having it all changes. I think the definition of all changes when people get really clear and present in their bodies about what they want. Okay. I think, yeah. I. So having it all in... Um, Having it all in the, let's say, the former way would would be the the superficial things, you know, right. this, like like what society has told us what we want, what it should be, what we should look like, how many of those we should have, what dec- you know diploma that should look like that. Okay. And when people get present to what they really want on the other side of the don't want. It's mostly to be known, to be connected, to speak powerfully, to have a boundary that, that, that we have control in our lives, to say yes, to say no, and, when we, and say it powerfully, that um, we have something to say about our, uh, how our life goes and who we let in and who we don't. I, I think there's some fundamentals that come into play into what we want. And um and it changes. I've watched it change. I've I've had people come to me for coaching who wanted the things in life. And when they really got to the other side of it, they found out it was more of a being in life that they would really wanted. So is this like um would you say this is like the secret? <laughs> well, <laughs> Yeah, this is a secret. <laughs> this is this is our secret, and we're telling it on the radio now. <laughs> the secret to the secret. <laughs> I think it is a secret. I think it's the thing that we've been uh, bamboozled and illusioned into thinking that stuff will get us happy. And really, truly, as human beings, we long to be in connection. We long to be in communion with one another. And we can't be in communion as long as we have the armor up. We can't be in communion as long as we've got both barrels loaded for the next one who's going to do the thing that's going to make me shoot them. We can't, be in com- we can't be in communion with one another when all that is in between, when the anger and the rage is in between. And it's all we really want is to be loved, to be known, to be acknowledged for for our brilliance, that we are brilliant and magnificent. And when we start to uncover the things that have been keeping our light under a bushel, that we find our joy and we find our connectedness and our communion with one another, with another, with ourselves first and then with another. Well, so, yeah, the intentions do change and they get finely honed and, and, and really focused. And we get creative. We really get creative with them. But I... I I wanted to ask you, you know, what about fear? Because it, it it feels to me like no matter how far ahead people get, with very few exceptions, 
uh, you know, I can count maybe on one hand the people that I know uh, that that seem to be fearless. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know that many, and I imagine there were probably a few others that seemed to be fearless. You know, Osho was one of the people that seemed to be fearless. You know, now there are some new people in my life who seem to be fearless. Um, that Jim and Bernie, I, you know, I, I, I'm pretty fearless, and yet fear comes sometimes. Um, right. What about fear? I mean, what? It, I mean, aside from it getting in the way and showing up as resistance, which we we talked about already, what should people do if they're if they're afraid? They're just afraid. They're afraid that you know their parents were right, or that mm-hmm. you know. They didn't finish, they weren't in the clean plate club, you know, when they were little kids, and now, you know, something's going to haunt them later. Right. People have, like, all kinds of irrational fears. What about fear? What do you say to people when they, they come to you, and it looks like they've st- they're stopped because of fear? Yeah, for, the first thing I'm I comes to me is that fear is a habit. Mm. It's, it's a habit, a, fe- a feeling, an emotion that's, uh, the name fear, it's a habit we put on feelings in our body. Oftentimes, I, I just want to say that here's the analogy I give. You and I could be sitting at the top of a roller coaster. Right. And both of our, your hands are up in the air and you're smiling big. And my hands are gripping the bar white knuckled. And you say, oh, my stomach's doing flips. I'm so excited. And I say, oh, my stomach doing flips. I'm so scared. The same feeling. And you frame it as excitement and I frame it as fear. Right. So there's a reframing and, and, an, and a, a distinguishing, like a pulling apart of what is the fear. And oftentimes we're on the precipice of this new and, and uh, endeavor. And it's like, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm going to, you're afraid you're going to what? You're excited. Shut up. You're excited about the unknown. Right. And, and if it's not interrupted with a reframing, then there will be, I'm afraid, dot, dot, dot. Mostly it leads to, I'm going to fail. I'm going to die. A death. A death of my body. A death of my uh, creation. A death of my idea another failure, all, all the things. If it's not interrupted, if fear is not interrupted at the onset like that with a reframing, then it is a habit, a habitual place we go to diminish, to diminish our genius and, and follow whatever we've been taught. Either we taught it ourselves and collected our evidence about it or our parents taught it and we collected evidence about it. But fear is learned. Right. And it can be unlearned. Well, and fear it, is also it, instinctual. I mean, the fear well, is instinctual, but I, I, think, I think what you're I, talking about is more how we, you know. I'm not talking about a guy on the street pointing a gun at me. That's okay. fear. That right. I should be very afraid, and I should either fight or flight. Mostly in life, most of the time, we're not confronted with double barrels on, on the whole. It's more like somebody's filthy mouth. It's more like someone's insensitivity. It's more like someone else's fear getting on us right. and their, their reaction. So this is the realm I'm speaking in. 
of the fear that stops us, it's a learned behavior for the most part inside of our goals and our intentions and what we really want. The fear that stops us equals rejection and a death of sorts. Right, right. I can see how you, I can definitely see what you mean there. Um, in case you just tuned in, you're listening to Tantra Cafe. This is Laurie Handlers, your host, and I'm here with Michelle Younger-Wartman, who is an expert at life coaching, at having people live the art of intentional living. And, uh, yeah, Michelle, this is such exciting stuff. I mean, even the idea that people can interrupt their fear, that it's a habit, that it stands in the way of them really having what they want. Uh, wow. Wow. It's, it's amazing. Um, so, let's see. If you were coaching someone who wanted something that they didn't even believe they could have, like, you know, in their belief system, there wasn't, there's not room for the very thing that they're looking for. How, you know, have you ever worked with anyone like that and got, gotten them through that? Yeah. Yeah, that's great, Laurie. Oftentimes, our vision of what we want has to be so big and so, so big that we have to put it in the realm of possibility, that we can even get to possible. Is it possible? Yes. And then we look at the steps it would take for that. And then to envision it being that way. Um, to have a vision, to have an intention and a result bigger than me and often looking unattainable, actually to build the excitement on that, that it would call me to get out of bed. That it would call me to have everything I do in life Go towards that. So the conversation really needs, and the distinctions about that, it has to be broken down into bite-sized pieces. You know, that's really what it is, that we can actually see it big, and then to break it down into the bite-sized doable actions, doable practices, and doable speaking that would have that result come towards us. You know, that's, um, it's actually having an intention bigger than me that calls me to get out of bed. It's so inspirational. That, you mean it's inspirational? It, well, we have to inspire ourselves sometimes. I can't be around 24-7 to inspire someone. And doing these practices Becoming awake and aware and clear and present keeps the the inspiration going. The commitment to inspiring myself, the intention that I can get inspired in a heartbeat just by thinking of my, my intention. So for me, I had an intention a while ago, some many years ago actually. Um, it was a huge course that I did. And I had to get an intention or a possibility of something happening bigger than me. When I did that, what, what mine, what I really saw was that every child on the planet 
goes to bed with a full tummy. Wow. I can even, I, whoa. <laughs> the, move, the movement in my body when I say that really brings up a strong emotion that how I said it for many years was that no child goes to bed hungry again, ever again. Now, that's in the negative. That's, right. in the, that's in the don't want. And you know what? It didn't inspire me for a really long time. It was, in the don't, well, it was in the don't want, yeah. Right, right. When I, when I said it in the that no child goes to bed hungry really put me in the vision of every child that I've ever seen that's been hungry. Rather than that every child goes to bed with a full tummy brings a vision. It brings a visual into me, a feeling into me that it's warm and it's comfortable and it's... Um, fulfilling and that it's healthy and it's well and that you know it's in that so I had to reframe this huge possibility I had recently have to reframe it into the positive now can I feed every child on the planet No. no can I today break it down into I went to the gym this morning so I could keep my body in the healthiest, most pristine way it can be. So I can lead courses. So someone in that course can go out and get their community on board to do the food drive that goes out to do the thing that goes to the bigger thing that puts food in children's mouths. Right. Right. I can see how, yes, I can see how all of this can make a huge difference. It could be the umbrella under which you're operating and moving towards, and it doesn't have to be that you are taking every action in the world to, to exactly. end hunger or what have you. So I, I see that. Well, we have just a few minutes left, Michelle, and um, I, you know, so far I'm following you. It's great. It feels like the name of your course, Clear and Present Power, which will also be a book, soon to be released book. It feels like when people make choices, feels to me like when your point, which is when people, you know, do the practices to get clear and get present and then they make powerful choices in the moment, that's pretty much it. Like they have their life set. And yet something you said earlier still is reverberating for me, which is, and I know that you and I do this together, which is that it really does take another Sometimes, uh, not sometimes, all the time, like to just be able to hash it out with another, to have a coach, somebody who, who guides you through the process, somebody who leads you sometimes through the process or interrupts, as you say, the, um, the small thinking or the, you know, the, the monkey mind, the brain that keeps going. I think that, that's the missing link here. It also takes another person to listen. Right. It really does. Started, which is where we started. You said you, you provided keen listening. That's what you, that was the first thing you said. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. The, and the awake, the awakeness, it takes a, another to keep us awake for the beginning parts of, of the, the transformation. We'd like to fall back to sleep. We like to fall back into the habit of, you know, that human-sized wheel we have in our head that we get on. 
I can see it spinning now. Or the monkeys, the monkeys chattering up there, passing bananas back and forth. That, uh, you know, it does take another. It takes a listening. It takes a bouncing off from. And it takes someone to call us authentically into our movement. That's what I provide. I really do provide an authentic speaking with people. I don't mince words. I don't coddle. I, we get right to people don't call me until they're really ready for a change, a transformation and a reframing of their life into a clarity and a powerful speaking. And you have to be awake and you have to be aware for every opportunity for that next speaking, for that next action, for for the next unknown that could alter everything that could hand you that intention that could hand you that result or open a door for you to walk through to that result. You just have to be awake and aware always. Well, thank you so much for this. It's been very, very clear. And um, I, I, I certainly educational. I, I, um, you know, I talk to you all the time and I don't think I've ever heard it, um, heard you state it so clearly with so much, um, uh, really, inspiration. I'm inspired. So I want to thank you uh, so much for being my guest today. If you just really tuned into the last part of the show, my guest today is Michelle Wartman, amazing coach, life coach, tantric practitioner, tantra teacher. If you want to find out more about her, you can go to butterflyworkshops.com. You can write to her at Michelle with one L at ButterflyWorkshops.com. You can write to me, Laurie, at ButterflyWorkshops.com to find out more about her and any of my other guests and certainly some of the products that we talked about today. You can find out about my book and my CD, which would help you do emotional release. And, uh, Michelle, I, I really, I just, I can't tell you how uh, excited I am to hear you like this and to hear the possibility for Many, many more people to get life coached by you. Um, your Thank you, Larry. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Listen, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Anything, any last thing you want to say? Well, I want to thank you for staying present through the whole call. <laughs> I was clear it, and you were present. That's always good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share the work that I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. I love you, I adore you, and I work with you, and we really do call each other to a greater life and a higher life, always. Well, thank you. So I'm going to be saying goodbye to people, namaste, which means I bow to the divine in you. I honor the divine part of you. I'm saying namaste from Tantra Cafe.